I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As we've alluded to on our other shows, this offseason, our Crack Rackets team attempted to speak with every Power 5 men's and women's head coach employed throughout the college tennis world. We asked each of them about their team's respective 2021 seasons and what we should expect from them here in 2022. Of course, we also offered them a platform to share their thoughts on some of the big picture topics in college tennis. It is a fantastic series that our team is ecstatic to finally start sharing with the broader college tennis community over the next six weeks. Fans can expect no fewer than 10 episodes a week to be posted on this feed. A huge shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support with this series. Remember, go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to express your thanks. With all of that said, we're ready to get to today's episode. So Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Joining us on the podcast today are a couple of first-time guests here on this show. Let's start with the head coach of the Iowa Women's Tennis Program. Of course, a former standout during her time as a player there as well. Please welcome onto the show head coach Sasha Schmidt. Coach, welcome. How are you doing today? Great, Alex. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Oh, it is my pleasure to have you. Obviously, I'm a Big Ten man at heart, so anytime we get to talk Big Ten tennis, you know I am here for it. And of course, joining us reluctantly, I will point out also on the show today, the associate head coach of the Iowa women's tennis team, Coach Danny Leitner. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks. Thanks. Doing well. Thanks for having us. I did, Less- I did make him join us today, Alex. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I was going to say, I'm not going to talk about your MTSU career because just not as impressive as Coach Schmitz. I'm sorry. Well, no, he was a Southern, he was South Alabama. He was oh, South, South Alabama. Alabama. Did I say MTSU? I meant South <laughs> Alabama. Again, everything's blending. That's okay. He was MTSU. For two years as a coach. There you, it is. You had that right. There yeah. it is. That's what it is. I, I, there are some schools that, again, point is, career, eh. No, I'm just kidding. It's great to have you both here on the show. And obviously, uh, I want to start with where you guys were this past weekend because we had the chance here on our Cracked Rackets broadcast to watch Alexa play. 
at the ITA National Fall Championships, and she reaches the semifinals of that event. She reaches the finals of the ITA All-American. I actually want to ask my first question to you, Danny, because you were there on the sideline, and obviously, I would argue Hamner-Noel was the rivalry of the fall, and you got to see a couple of those matches, and I'm just curious what you thought of Alexa's performance, obviously coming off of a 24-1 and freshman season. Um, yeah, this is funny because I just listened to your recap earlier, <laughs> and uh, John had uh, Jay, Jay, Jay John, call yeah. Jay, yeah, called her the quiet one, which uh, I must have missed that part. Um, <laughs> no, definitely um, amazing match, not only in Charleston um, but here in San Diego, and I would for sure agree it was at least the match of the day. Um, ups downs i think they're both amazing competitors that we had a conversation before they're kind of the kids that when it looks really bad on the scoreboard those are the kids you still trust for whatever reason they find a way and so i think when they see that on the other side it gets really hard to close out a match and um so yeah it was ups downs that's the way these matches are and it's just managing it and you know when it mattered i actually thought they both played good tennis and um so yeah, obviously this time Alex got the better of her. It was a really good match. Um, it was highly entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. We got a lot of feedback from other coaches that were on site, and um, yeah, I'm I'm assuming it won't be the last time those two have seen each other. Yeah, no, it, it again it was a super fun match to us enjoy for us to enjoy on the stream. And I'm curious, Coach Mitt, because I'm sure you've seen so many college tennis t- talented college tennis players filter through the ranks. Three losses through your first 12 months of college tennis is not bad, though. That's about as good as it gets. What makes Alexa so special? What allows her to put together these sort of performances on the court? Well, she really does hate to lose. And <laughs> she is really, ultimately, I mean, a great competitor. She's has an all-court game. Um, she can defend really well. She, you know, I think one of the things that's really interesting is Danny um, and Alexa, it, the two of them work so well on the court together. Danny is just so good at being able to like look at a match and basically the way I kind of describe it is like solve the equation or the problem sure. of the match. And it's incredible when you can do that and you have a player that actually has the skills to be able to answer the equation with like the shots that she wants to hit. Mm-hmm. And so I think like the ability for her to you know understand her own game, but then be able to walk in and dissect an opponent and like take coaching and then be able to make an adjustment the story that i love saying about alexa was um this was back in may when we were preparing for the ncaa tournament and she and danny were practicing um together kind of doing baseline points and ends up being a great baseline point it's probably like a 15 20 shot rally in practice and she ends up finishing it with like a you know inside out forehand but three shots earlier she had hit like a real high heavy ball to danny's backhand um, and after the point in, she just says calmly, looks at me. She's like, that's the ball. That's going to win me the NCAA tournament. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she knows. And she's really smart. And she, um, she, uh, she like, loves, like, tennis and dissecting tennis. And um, she's kind of, like, has a really high tennis IQ. Mm-hmm. So you combine that with a good athlete and all of the different shots that she has. And when she gets nervous, like, her real default is to put the ball in play. And that mm-hmm. goes a long way. Um and then I just think that for for her in college, I've seen her mature. 
and mm -hmm. grow emotionally. And for sure, she'd be the first to tell you that she has meltdowns mm -hmm. and she has a, a ways to go with that. Um, and I, you know, she's, she's very honest also about her emotions. So it's not like I have to pull things out of her. I mean, she's sure. very candid to say like, I completely lost my mind there. Mm -hmm. um, and so at least that gives us a starting point where we can, we may not be able to fix it in the moment, but we're accurately assessing the situation as it is. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And again, you mentioned it. All of the tools are there. I actually thought the thing I was most impressed by is like, oh, Alexa can volley. Like she was a really good volleyer up there at the net. And it's just you add that to, again, the baseline, uh, the backhand slice is going to drop in every time she hits it and just the way she competes. It, it's super impressive. But and I want to go back to you here, Coach Schmidt. What does it do to have someone like that at the top of your lineup for everyone else? What sort of standards does that set for the rest of the program? Well, I know you're a big fan. Danny tells me of the match calculus. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You start so, up one zero, you feel pretty good. You feel pretty good. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty like incredible. If you're looking at the University of Iowa match calculus, I yeah. mean, that that was a point on the board for us. And mm -hmm. um, I, believe me, I've done this a long time. I know like how amazing that is at the highest levels. And for sure, we could only play in the conference last year. Um, but you know, she she had to battle. We have you know great players she consistently um just competed so hard and um and that's in the match calculus she she did not lose at that number one <laughs> position for us yeah. so i mean that that gives your team like um a lot of confidence and let's be real like we haven't had a player like alexa Noll at the university of iowa we mm -hmm. we haven't and so it means the world to us and this university and this program that she believes in us and comes and fights for Iowa. And I think that, um, you know, hopefully is something that we can continue to build on. Um, you know, she can't get four points, so <laughs> we got to put a, a team around her and we got to be able to, um, you know, have depth and, but it, it, in no way, like, is this anything other than an incredibly positive for us? Mm -hmm. And what was so interesting when you look last season, and I know it was a Big Ten year only, but you look at the stats from last year, 13-7 and seven overall, 13-5 and five in the conference. And, you know, again, it wasn't just Alexa. There were, you know, contributors up and down the board. But you talk about, you know, three through six singles positions. I think it's fair to say. I think of the, I think three singles, you guys win 11-9 and nine and the rest below 500 for the year. How important is that depth What's been the focus this offseason to try to get that, you know, the rest of the roster to catch up to where, you know, again, you're taking advantage of that one point lead? That's exactly it. No, mm -hmm. that's that's ex I mean, I think, um, you know, Danny and I had a lot of faith in our positions at one and two last year. We really mm -hmm. felt like we could almost play anybody in the nation and we're in the match and thought we probably had an advantage at the one and two spot. Mm -hmm. So doubles became really important. And then, you know, that's sometimes a 50, 50 point. And then you're, we're looking for one or two more points. And I, I think like, if you go back and look at like the match, we played Ohio state in the semifinals at the big 10 tournament. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we basically, um, you know, we had Alexa's spot and we lost at two, which is, you know, a position that we had won earlier in the year in a really, really close match. Um, we won at three and then we were, we lost pretty decisively at five and six and we didn't get the doubles point. So it came down to four mm -hmm. and eventually like our number two just slipped, but mm -hmm. like, it was such a thin margin for us mm -hmm. to be able to like figure out how to get four points, but we feel still felt as slim as it was, it was in play every single time. We 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 understood we were going to sweat every match. But I also thought, like, heck, we have a chance. 
Um, so going forward, we would love to be able just to like get our percentages up <laughs> in, in those different spots, um, especially at the five and six. What do you think? Yeah, we played no no non-close matches. Everything was <laughs> close that we played last year. It didn't matter who. I mean, obviously, I think across the league, there were just no easy matches, you know. Um, could we beat everybody, anybody? Yep. And could lose to anybody on the same day. So it's uh, very relaxing for us, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think part of that is just, you know, building on the success we had last year and helping with new recruits to fill out the depth of the team, understanding that we have a very, very strong number one spot. And, you know, that by no means that means pressure on the other spots. It should actually help, you know, to know that you have someone very strong on your team. And I think we've, you know, factored that in in recruiting and how we've structured the year and where we're trying to move come this spring. Mm-hmm. And I look at, again, some of the stats from last year, only seven doubles teams. And I know part of that's a byproduct of just how many players you have on the roster. But seven's a lower number. And, you know, I think you had three teams that played over 13 ma- or over 10 matches together. Excuse me. And so I- I'm curious, how was that continuity lucky? Like, because, again, no fall last year. And I'm just curious, that's had to have been the most difficult part, right, is finding continuity in doubles and just teaching people the Iowa system how frustrating was that throughout the year? Did you feel like you were behind the entire, you know, just, you know, two steps behind? Uh, yeah, definitely. When we went to the first hidden duel at Purdue <laughs> to start the spring, we, I don't know if we knew that we were behind, but when we came back, we knew we were behind <laughs> uh, for sure. I think for us, um, I know you said 13 combinations, maybe. Uh, I think um, it was, I think it was seven. Oh, Only it was seven. seven. Yeah, not bad. I was going to say there was probably about 30 in our head. <laughs> um, we, I don't know how many hours we spent discussing that for the most part where we ended up was we didn't have a doubles team with a negative record. Mm-hmm. So we thought, Hey, we can, these teams, they complement each other. Well, the kids have good chemistry. I think at this point it's better for us to try and get these teams to improve and click and work together versus splitting it up and you know trying it differently now did we win the biggest doubles points of the year no so are we second guessing the decision for sure but at the end of the day i mean you're always in this business you go with what feels right in the moment and you know no regrets on that part but looking back should we have maybe tried more combinations for sure. Well, I'm I'm curious and to flip it to you, Coach Mid. Uh, when you look at just coaching doubles over the years, have you found it's you know doubles pairing continuity that chemistry is more valuable, or just again teaching the you know feeling comfort that all six players out there are you know know the Iowa system. You know, I think it depends on, I think a lot of it depends on each year and the makeup on the team and the personalities. I think that ultimately it's great if you can get a group of team, you know, members together that you can switch out and even on return sides and (laughs) just give you some different looks, Um, especially when we're, you know, fortunate enough last year not to have injuries. But if you get in a situation where you got to then kind of make something up on the fly and over the course of the week restructure. So I I do love the flexibility of it. We definitely found um, some teams that it could have been different honestly if we had a fall um and i think that when we first um got our chance to take the court which was in january out of purdue because we can still even then only play against big 10 teams and kind of like a put together like fall like dual match Mm -hmm. mock duels match it became evident that we did have a lot of work to do that we i can only make 
practiced against ourselves that much interesting all year and the <laughs> sure. pressure and the way that you know they they know when they're playing their teammates they know them so well that it didn't really expose things until we got into competition so could have just been a little bit behind um on that throughout the year but i agree with danny i mean I could literally drive myself crazy thinking of new doubles combinations, <laughs> um, but we really did feel like we had a shot at each doubles point, um, and it wasn't worth reinventing the wheel. And so we we kind of stuck with it. Um, and he definitely provides a lot of calmness with me on that. I probably would jump the gun a little bit earlier, but Danny <laughs> sure. stays the course and balances me out on that. And you know, I think I think they got a lot out of themselves. I think they got better. Um, but I feel like we've made a lot of strides this fall just by virtue of being able just to have some more time um, and see some more combinations in actual competition. Uh, in terms of that aspect, just how nice has it been to be back on court and to have full access to your players once again? Yeah, it's been incredible. And, you know, I'd say for like, especially in somebody like Alexa's situation, I mean, the mm -hmm. ability to go to these national tournaments and really just feel the entire experience of college, mm -hmm. which we were just so incredibly limited last year. Um, it was hard watching other people go out and compete and knowing that we weren't able to have that opportunity. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm really, really fortunate and great to see, would love our league, but great to see people outside of the league. <laughs> and you don't want to play Michigan again? And just yeah. yeah well, and what's crazy is we didn't even play Michigan. Yeah. Like so, we were just in the league, and then even that was restricted. Mm -hmm. So Michigan was the team that we didn't even get to see last year. So yeah. it really felt like um, you know you just got only kind of like a little sliver of the experience yeah. last year. No, it's totally fair. And I'm curious because something that did come out of last offseason, I thought was, or you talked to the SEC coaches, they were so fond of the hidden duels they played and just the opportunity to be in the team environment that early in the season. Do you think that's going to be something we see more of moving forward? Where are you in terms of, you know, again, the purpose of the fall, getting ready for the team event versus allowing these individuals a shot at some of the top players across the country? Yeah, I just had a conversation with another college coach a couple of days ago, just thinking about that that very same thing, feeling mm -hmm. like, you know what, I feel like I want to go the hidden duel route. It teaches freshmen what it's like to play in a in a dual match situation. You get to practice some of these real like team chemistry issues that, you know, can kind of go unexposed when you're in an individual tournament. Um, so I, I think usually that's where I would feel like I tend to think that that's really productive, except if you got somebody like Alexa Knoll and she yeah, really sure. needs to be able to have the opportunity to, um, to test herself individually. So I think it's kind of a mix and then goes back to like what, what your individual, um, mm -hmm. I think squad needs in any given year. I think with a young squad, those mock duels could be invaluable. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious where both of you stand on this, because for me, it's just, what's the point of the individual season? What is the role What forward moving forward? And I think the way you emphasize it more obviously is if you move the NCAA tournament to the fall and you say, hey, fall's individuals, spring is team. And obviously that is a conversation that has always been around, but it feels to have been heating up of late. Now, I'll pitch you guys the dream scenario. You have to compete the spring before. So again, let's say it's the 2021 NCAA tournament. You have to have competed in January of 2021. But you host the individual tournament second week of the 2021 U.S. Open. So you play that if that's when you play the individuals for that previous season. Then after that comes the All Americans, comes the Fall Nats. You can have all the individual stuff in the fall. Spring is just entirely team. Where are both of you on on that proposal? Well, so what you basically play a spring to then play in the fall. Like it's retroactively. So what happens to the kids that would graduate in the spring? 
they are eligible to play that NCAA tournament if they want to go get the wild card. That's the thing. That, that's their last event. So the 2021 NCAA tournament, even though it's held in September, it's about the spring and prior fall. It's just about, A, separating those two things. And I think, B, getting the buy-in for college tennis. I know they've tried the U.S. collegiate event at the second week of the U.S. Open before, but it just feels like if it was an NCAA tournament— now you can get all of the local, you know, University of Iowa, now in New York, transplants to go watch Alexa's match. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I served on the opcom for three years <laughs> and literally went around and around on these types of conversations. And just mm-hmm. like for everyone, there's a positive and everyone there's a negative. You know, mm-hmm. I think in this scenario, I just wonder, like, you wouldn't be able to get like the incoming freshmen to like they wouldn't play immediately, but they could play the following year. But then if they can't play as a senior, then are we cutting them off on a couple different opportunities to compete? Um, I, I, I actually, in general, I, again, the, the details would have to be worked out. I actually sure. do like the individual tournament in the fall mm-hmm. um, because I think that it, it, it just allows us to completely focus through a team lens in the spring. Mm-hmm. And I think that, it ch- we could we could go clinch clinch the entire time we can be better for tv we can shorten the matches i think that the things that we do for rankings um that we play out matches after the team competition has ended we all have to do that for that ncaa tournament um and and then just in like the the ncaa tournament is just too long yeah. and it's just a, this this all this all american and the fall nats that was hard on alexa Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to have a team competition and run through the emotional gauntlet of a team championships and turn around and try to make a run, mm-hmm. I don't think sets us up to have the best experience or potentially the best players come through the NCAA championships. Mm-hmm. So I think you're on to something. I, I don't know when the, the timing of it is. And mm-hmm. I just feel, I, I guess I would maybe be more Alex where like, if you put it in the fall and you allowed the all American in the fall Nats to be some sort of qualifying and allow the freshmen to come into it. And you put it potentially over Thanksgiving at the U S open, then I can see us still using that, that venue and raising the awareness and Mm -hmm. isolating it in and of itself. And then starting for a pure team competition in the spring. Mm -hmm. No, I, I guess for me, and that's, Yes, for the record, I agree with the entire sentiment. Um, but I, yeah, for me, it would just be, yeah, that NCA tournament is the end of that. So I know it's the next September, and if you graduate in May, you come back. But that's the end of that previous season. And then the freshmen can start playing the All-American and the Fall Nats that come after that. And it's like, okay, these individual events are for the start of the next season. But sure. yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's a lot of tennis. And while for me, day 11, coaches start telling you things because they're like, I've been in the sun all day. I The filter's gone, and I'm like, great like beer uh, i'm in um and so it's great for me but yeah it's just it's a lot it's a, it's a slog like it really is and you're you know some of these teams are down there for a month and it's just like that's not great from a school perspective that's not great for the athletes for the coaches for anybody and so it's definitely interesting to to consider and i've got again some other format proposals i want to throw at you as well but i i want to talk about where you guys are at he- uh, heading into 2022 and you know again we've talked about alexa but some of the other returners and i think this is a fascinating dynamic on your team you've got three seniors two sophomores two freshmen do you guys consider yourselves an old team or a young team where are you at with that roster and i'm curious how that shapes how you've coached them this offseason 
I, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it. Do you think? Um, I feel like I coach inexperienced teams at all times. Um, yeah, sure. You'll, you'll see our seniors do things where for sure you would say they're unexperienced. Mm -hmm. um, but no, in general, I think it's a wide, wide variety always. Um, I, we have one more joining us in the spring. Um, so I, I would assume that we're going to have some some of the younger kids in our starting lineup. So tentatively, I would always say we're somewhat on the younger side. Um, but obviously, we do have kids in the lineup that have been through this, that have been through the Big Ten schedule, that are that just are familiar with what tennis in the Big Ten looks like. And then we're going to probably have two or three kids in the lineup that haven't seen any of it. And mm -hmm. so... Um, yeah, I would say. Um, yeah, when you first asked the question, I hadn't thought about it, and I would say inexperience. <laughs> and then when you say that, I was like some some older kids. It it seems like seems like we got a lot still to grow and a lot to learn. So I'm not in a position where I'm thinking that we're like battle tested yet um, at this point. <laughs> no, that's fair, and I, I'm sure it's been nice to again have the full off season to get to work with them and. I'm curious, obviously, Lexa has been outstanding, but I want to start with the returners, Michelle, Sam, Sam, Vipasha. What have you seen from that group as they look to, again, take and All of them got to play last season, which I'm sure coming into this year is a benefit. What have the jumps been, the things you've been working on to get them to take that next step in, in the spring? Yeah, I think, you know, we definitely, Michelle and Vippy would tell you they were completely unsatisfied with last year and that they really felt like they had to they wanted to contribute more and they're, you know, they're, they're good all around players and they just kind of got on the short side of confidence and just could never quite get the momentum rolling in the matches where they felt like they were settling in. And so that's been like the number one thing that, you know, we, I wanted to get out of the fall was to be able just to have them build on um, some, some con like conditioning confidence that comes just from being like physically in good shape and then take that into like their, their team practice and then take it into matches and just try to start to build up because it was a real um, beat down for them. Cause they knew that basically at five and six, you, we should be in those matches. We should be like trying to put some points on the board. And it was a game changer if we could do that and bless their hearts. Like we just really struggled in those positions, despite, you know, really, really giving it their all. And, you know, sometimes in tennis, it just starts to kind of slip. Um, so for me, that's been a huge point of emphasis for us to stabilize in those positions and they can do it. And I think that, you know, I've seen a lot of growth, I would say, especially in Michelle, like really like digging into some of the challenges that we put a, in front of them, uh, on the conditioning side, mm -hmm. um, and then building off of that to gain some confidence. Um, and then I think with Bippy, it's just been a, actually a point of her enjoying competing more. It's mm -hmm. tough to lose and getting to a place where she's actually enjoying, being on the court and willing to put herself out there and not kind of protect yourself against emotionally being exhausted through a loss. Um, if you're being like really honest, those are the things that they've been working through. And then Samantha Mannix is probably one of the best overall competitors I've ever coached. She just really fights like heck. And I believe in her in almost any situation. I mean, she may not be the most comfortable from a tennis standpoint, but she has a big serve and a big forehand and she competes like heck. And so you've got to always counter in. Um, and she has a lot of great energy and a lot of great emotion that can really carry her through really intense pressure situations. Um, so that's, that's been, that's been kind of the area of focus for them. And then like Danny said, we have a player joining us, Marissa Schmidt, 
Mm -hmm. um, that'll come in January. And she's been playing a ton this fall. Um, and it's been fun to see her compete. And that's exactly what you want a January kid to do. Use the fall to play as much at home as they possibly can so that they can feel like they're a little ready to, to come in and be ready to go. And then we also have a freshman, um, Barbara Pocorno, who has mm -hmm. joined us and kind of has from the Czech Republic, by the way, are all the rage. If you didn't she, know. Yeah. I didn't know. No. Now we've got one here. It's, it's perfect. That's the move. Well, they, they're definitely, you know, got a good little hotbed of tennis <laughs> and she, she also played a lot over the summer and she did have a little bit of illness in the beginning mm -hmm. of the year, which kind of limited her ability to like settle into practice. Um, she took the court for the first time with us just a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. at regionals. And so it was just one of those things that wasn't the ideal, um, you know, slide into your freshman year where you feel like you were immediately a go, but she's really grown. And I think the one thing with freshmen is just learning doubles and mm -hmm. she's, she's, she's done really well there too. So I do think we're going to have some, I'm hoping Alex, like some of those percentages <laughs> on that win loss column, a little bit more on the plus side for us to give us a few more match calculus opportunities to get to four points. <laughs> I, 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 you realize the more you closely you follow college tennis, coaches are also mathematicians. It's true. Like you got to find the balance for all of it. And it's very, very impressive. The modern day Aristotles. But I'm curious, you know, again, and I'll go for you here, Danny. 13 and 7 last year, 13 and 5 in the conference, you know, 4 3 with Northwestern and 4 3 Illinois. And I think the losses were what? Ohio State, Northwestern, Illinois. That's it last season. Of course, rankings were stupid last year. And, you know, I, for those reasons, I, it was obviously tough for any Big Ten team to get into the NCAA tournament. How close is this group? Uh, you know, again, you, you've seen the competition, you got to see the entire conference last year repeatedly. How close do you think this group is to, you know, repeating that performance this year and then showing that nationally as well? Yeah, I think, and honestly, after last year, I have no idea where we should have finished in the national rankings. Um, mm -hmm. The only teams we played that were in the top 15, we played really close. Yeah. Illinois had a very good team. Um, you didn't campaign as hard for us as you did for the Big Ten men's team. <laughs> but, Alex. <laughs> But no, in, in all honesty, I, you know, I thought we were right there. I think I don't know how it overlaps with these other conferences. We're definitely excited to get a shot at the SEC this year. Um, definitely, we kept that in mind for where we're going for kickoff. And um, no, I think ultimately, you know, I mean, I think we, we know what we have. Um, we believe in what we have and we want to put it out there against the competition that we think we need to beat. So in terms of the Big Ten, I mean, everybody's good. There's no easy matches, there, whether it's home or on the road, um, and there isn't anybody we don't think we can beat. Yeah. So that makes for a fun Friday, Sunday, usually. Um, I, I would say right now I feel like we have a better team than we did last year, but if you talk to me in February, uh, we <laughs> may feel differently. Well, for the um, record, I, I was going to say, I didn't think I needed to campaign for you guys last year. It's like, really, a 4-3 loss to Illinois is going to be the difference between them making the tournament? Because if it's only Northwestern and Ohio State, I don't know how you don't get in. Like, but it, that's yeah. just funny. In a was, weird way, I mean, yeah. not to go back to <laughs> sure. last year, I don't think any of us want to relive <laughs> what that moment was like because we thought we were getting in. Mm -hmm. um, quite honestly, we got the team together and we sat in that room and only the people that sat in that room know what that felt like. But yeah. 
to get the computer ranking somewhat accurate, we basically needed to lose to Illinois so that not every big team was outside of 125. So it was a loss that made the computer ranking a little more accurate, not quite accurate <laughs> yeah. enough, but then it was also the one that probably kicked us out of the tournament. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, that, it was... and that's just like a total example of how crazy it was. Cause yeah. I mean, we if we, we beat Nor Illinois the first time we played them, but if we would have beaten them the second time, then they wouldn't have had the points that would have helped. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it would have like it actually like kind of helped us but then in the end hurt us and yeah. i think um it was just like a yeah and i'll just second on danny i mean like it just an absolute brutal ncaa selection mm -hmm. show I've, I've heard from people that have been in that spot and it's the worst spot to be in and then mm -hmm. on top of like this the entire scenario of the year so i guess when you ask like what do you think for this year i mean that that just doesn't go away you know yeah. i mean those feelings and when you ask like is our team young or old like i will say like we pretty much have everybody on court that was mm -hmm. in that room except for a couple and we've sure shared with them yeah. the heartbreak um that 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 felt um and so i you know I, it'll be interesting to watch us because i'm i'm wondering like how we can you know use the disappointment from that situation to propel us um and what I'm hoping, Alex, is like in some of these situations, I think we sometimes got a little nervous, mm -hmm. maybe in the Ohio State situation and the Northwestern situation. And I'd kind of like to see us be like a little bit more angry than nervous mm -hmm. next year when we get ourselves to those situations. Cause you can, I mean, I think Danny and I might be like, look, we got an option here. We go brave and we stand up and we fight right here. Or do you want to be crying in the NCAA selection show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we remember what that felt like. Let's lay it on the line and mm -hmm. let's feel good about the way we play. No, I love it. And from a scheduling standpoint, uh, you mentioned it earlier, Missouri's on the schedule at Mississippi State's on the schedule. You've got the kickoff weekend down in Georgia and at Kansas, at Kansas State. And, you know, for most schools, the Kansas swing may be a little more daunting, maybe less so for Iowa. So I guess that does make more sense looking at it. But even beyond that, Iowa State and, you know, at Denver, at Colorado, is that a byproduct of just, you know, again, part of that is we're not going to put ourselves in that position again. I'd rather take losses than not have the ranked wins. Yeah, we uh, we finished the season. The last thing we said to the team is like, we are not ever leaving this up to the committee. Yeah. Ever. And, uh, <laughs> and, ever again. And that starts with scheduling, right? We got to put the teams on the schedule that we need to be um, to make the tournament. And so that's what we did. And now at least it's an hour hand, right? If we... <laughs> do well with this schedule it won't be a committee decision and so that's what we're shooting for that's why we schedule the way we schedule and let's just roll the balls out and see what happens and with that caveat coach schmidt i'm curious and again i know this is something you have talked about before and you i'm sure with many um but last year they waived the 500 rule and for listeners that don't know the 500 rule you have to be 500 or better to get into the ncaa tournament are you fine with that rule going away forever I don't know, Alex. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, it's tough, right? Like I, yeah. I coached in the SEC for five years. I understand how challenging that rule is in a league like that. I really do. Um, but I also, you know, I also feel like if, you know, you, you, you can do enough with scheduling that you can find a way to be 500 um, and make the tournament. And I just think that like, there's 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 as as much as a 500 rule might hurt the sec their opportunity and their schedule also helps the sec sure um so they've got a ton of opportunities to get out there and 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 play and 
you know, we don't necessarily have that in the Big Ten. So I don't know. Sometimes I think that the 500 rule is kind of a good neutralizer. I think mm-hmm. it definitely that you it was like a double whammy, right? Like the restrictions <laughs> yeah. that we had on just only playing in our league. And then you take the 500 a rule away from the people that play in that league. I mean, we was like, what the heck, man? We, <laughs> yeah. we There's just like nothing that we can possibly do, you know? And um, so, and yeah, I mean, just, we just even had, that wasn't even the extent of all the crazy stuff that happened to knock us out. So I'll just like, it was just a wild, wild year last year. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to people that want to overturn the 500 rule um i would probably say just from my position mm-hmm. in, through the lens of being the coach of the university of iowa if i had a vote in it i'd keep it in place well this is good this is why we're doing this series is because i like hearing different opinions and yes you get a lot of get away from it from schools that are either top 15 or in a powerful conference where you've got enough matches built in whatever it may be but yeah it, again scheduling is so fascinating particularly after last year you're right with all of the restrictions it's got to just be nice in general to be able to get back out on the road and test yourselves against uh non-conference foes and again you mentioned it georgia kickoff weekend all of these road trips as well is this something that will be a theme of your scheduling moving forward is this you know again th- th- it's not an easy first two months of the season is this something you guys want to be doing moving forward i think so i mean i think you know, you'd have to probably reevaluate if I felt like the makeup of the of the team changed. But I mean, I feel like I, I the analogy I had last year was like I, I felt like I had like a, a, a pretty good new race car. Yeah. And I, I can only take it around the block. Yeah. And that's <laughs> and no fun. I, I, you just want to I just want to test it, you know, and maybe yeah. we'll get beat up. But the, the one thing that for as long as I've coached, I, I really feel like we've been able to structure our team in a way that like we handle, we handle losses and we learn from losses. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I was, I took a lot of losses at Mizzou and the sec and I learned quickly that they were either going to absolutely destroy you or you were going to learn how to grow from these losses and mm-hmm. try to be better uh, the next time around. And so I, I guess that makes me not so fearful of this. I'm kind of excited for it. And we may take some lumps and we may have some hard times, but we're only going to learn about ourselves through those. And ultimately it's going to make us better because I think we're going to handle it in the right way. And um, mm-hmm. that's what I'm hoping. At least I, ask, yeah. me, ask me in April, Alex, and I, I may like have a completely it. different different. <laughs> philosophy when i'm interviewing you before the round of 16 i'll ask that question the follow-up of oh, how it all went. yeah yeah thank but you. uh i am again on this theme and you talked about it earlier getting someone like alexa noel and uh, any player in college who has pro aspirations enough repetitions throughout the year uh and i guess i'll go to you first on this question danny and to both of you you played so you know the balance as a player you have to have of, of course you're focused on your athletics but you're also a student and you're also a human and you want to have fun with that context, is 25 competition days enough? Great question. Um, <laughs> I I feel obviously the spring is a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's just usually very hard. Like once you start well, I think usually for the most part you do well. I think it's if you start poorly, it goes by quickly, which I think happened to us a little bit in a few spots of the lineup last year. I wouldn't mind a few more matches in the fall so i guess theoretically i'm i would like more than 25 um just to have a little more flexibility i think there's kids out there that really don't have a problem competing every week 
Um, if you ask me personally, when I played, um, 25 was plenty. I'd play one <laughs> tournament and sure. I want to time off. And then three <laughs> weeks later, I was ready to go. But that was also because I was a hot mess on court. So <laughs> I think there's definitely players out there. You see it now, right? They're in tournaments every week. It seems like tournament is the best practice they'll get. And so I think in that sense, you know, you never want to take opportunities away from these kids. Um, so that being said, I think I would totally be in favor of it being more than 25. Um, I'm sure there's concerns, budgets and whatnot. There's a lot of things that come into play when you start playing more. But in general, I think if you have kids that want to play, you should let them play. Mm -hmm. Same question to you, Coach Schmidt. But again, with the added caveat of you know maybe you don't have to hide the duels in the spring uh, in the fall maybe you can just play them openly and play them with the fall events and just get you know or let's say we have kids eliminated from the tournament well we've got six kids here at the regionals you've got six kids here at the regionals let's go play a duel over there or whatever if we you know without using a competition day uh are yeah. those things that appeal to you yeah for sure i think you know there's oftentimes when I've looked at a schedule and I've been working through things and I wish I had like two more dates. Yeah. Um, whether it be like just not to have to like run out a double header for mm -hmm. in a certain situation or maybe just there's just like maybe a gap of like nine days where it's like if I could just fit another match in here, that could be helpful. Um, you know, I think with somebody like you bring up Alexa, I mean, she definitely goes deep into these fall events and, mm -hmm. you know, hope hopefully goes deep into the NCAA tournament. And so that that can be a lot of tennis. It really can be. Um but I also think that like that's that's great, you know, really, really, really great for that's her. That's life and, on the pro tour, right? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I feel like with her, we've talked about this with Alexa that like when we got into the Friday Sunday um, schedule, she was actually an interesting kid who um, <laughs> kind of well, she never lost, so we were kind of always on this high after the weekends matches and. She loved like a Monday hit, especially just like with Danny and I on court and we just like hit kind of like recovery hit, went through the points, went through the matches, like kind of dissect it. She kind of crashed on a Tuesday. So that was her off day. Mm -hmm. Then we usually did like a conditioning session, a weight session, tennis on Wednesday. And then Thursday you could be like leaving again. Mm -hmm. And that type of like a schedule for her, it just clicked like she really thrived in that and really got um into like a really good mode and um i think it's ideal you know when you when you kind of get in that and that being able to sometimes maybe have a couple different dates i think i i, I often think i could use them i don't mm -hmm. ever feel like it's just too much i really haven't felt mm -hmm. like that way yeah, no, again, I'll ask you that same question as you approach the round of 16 when you're like, 25 yes. enough. You're like, we're yeah. tired. We're good. We're, we're Believe me, if, if we were playing deep into May and we were tired, I will take that any day. Yeah. <laughs> good. I like to hear it. Um, no, and again, I, I have some questions for you guys broadly about the program, more broadly about college tennis as well. I want to start with recruiting because right now, five classes of high school graduates and obviously that's a byproduct of covid as such we've seen the transfer portal essentially operate as a free agency market and i'm curious i'll start with you coach schmidt how you balance these two things between you know again building for the future i talked about the roster distribution you guys have this year clearly it's a healthy dose of freshmen at the same time you know 13 and 9 we're one piece away and or you know we are that close to qualifying for the NCAA tournament maybe even doing damage once we get there how do you balance those two things between recruiting for the future and finding players that are available now to help you win 
Yeah, well, and I'll just be totally honest, but the transfer portal, you got to recruit the players that are on your roster. Yeah, I mean, it's sure. like, it never ends. Yeah. Like, it is a constant, the transfer portal is just a total change to everything, honestly. And so, um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Danny and I will go through recruiting and you kind of like feel like you didn't hit what you needed to hit on like the November signing. And so mm -hmm. we're like, gotta look in the portal now we just like you know i mean we're basically that is an option that becomes part of the recruiting cycle and recruiting work in a way that just has really elevated than in the past mm -hmm. um it's just easy and it's widely used and um it's changing it's you know i really do think it's changed a lot and so you know it used to be kind of i remember like a transfer situation was you kind of you were a little maybe suspect about the situation and you thought well what happened there must have been some trouble like there was you know and now <laughs> it's like look for any reason somebody is so capable of entering the transfer portal at <laughs> any time and so i think it kind of takes away some of the skittishness that you might have as a coach looking in the, for transfers <laughs> um and it becomes just i mean look there are coaches right now that are just living off of the transfer portal i mean <laughs> you're not even like going not even getting any of the incoming freshmen <laughs> yeah you're just living off of mm -hmm. somebody else's kids that are going in the transfer portal that you're picking up and you can't fault them for that that's the <laughs> that's the nature of this and we'll be in that situation most likely that we'll also be looking in the portal i mean i Danny's in there every single day. <laughs> yeah, hey. Well, I was going to say something about it. Uh, you and me both is what I'll say. Whatever. Uh, but I was going to ask if you had access or if somebody had shared their password. No or... comment. No comment to that. Okay, I don't want to get anyone in, in trouble, so no comment. But, um, yeah, I, no, same question to you, Danny, because, again, and to both of you, you were both players. I, I does feel like, and I think this is a good thing, by the way, moving forward for college tennis, that to transfer has been destigmatized. Like initially it was, yes. oh, it must be a bum coach or it must be a bad program or there's something super wrong with this player that they want to leave this school. Do you feel like that's changed for you, like, Danny? Like now I feel like it's acceptable. Yeah, I think, you know, in general, like in life, once you have options, yeah, sure. um, that changes how you perceive certain situations. I think it it changes how you handle coaching. I think it changes how you perceive being held accountable mm -hmm. i think all those things right are just in the day-to-day -day grind of our profession that happens at all times right and i think not just the tennis thing but you look across other sports right i think in the nba people used to want to sign the five-year deal mm -hmm. and be locked in and now i think you know people want flexibility and mm -hmm. they don't want monotony mm -hmm. um and so honestly like there's just you know the control is in the player's hands so i'm sure there's many coaches out there that would agree hey we've had to change how we do things because you're somewhere between coaching and appeasing and <laughs> sure. so you know you want to not give up on who you are as a person and as a coach and why you do these things but you also got to keep in mind that you know the perception of your action changes once you know there's option b out there mm -hmm. and um I think if people go about that process the right way and do things for the right reasons, I think it's a great tool for the kids because I think, like knowing my story, I visited a couple schools in the US, I didn't commit to any, and I signed with South Alabama coming off of one phone call, and mm -hmm. I totally put trust into the coach after a 20-minute conversation with broken internet and bad audio. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I had no idea it was going to be 120 degrees and I had no <laughs> idea what it was going to be like down there. Right. So there's a chance you may just miss. Right. Mm -hmm. For me, I didn't know the difference between Alabama and South Alabama. So once I step on campus, you know, you may really just have made not the right decision. I was lucky enough that I did. But I think in that sense, you know, it, it's not at all a bad thing. But obviously, you hope that, you know, kids and coaches try their best to make it work in the current situation then. And if it really doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out, you know, and I think you can find a happy place elsewhere. That's why you should have played at MTSU. That's what I was trying to tell you at the top there. I tried to... I, I still have Jimmy's messages in my inbox. Um, one after another. So... We played against them every year. Um, yeah. They did beat us in the conference final the first year, so I think it worked out for both sides. I had a good experience, and I never beat Jimmy on court, so I think we, uh, you I know, like we it. grew from that. I like it, and to Coach Schmidt, because I was talking to uh, Coach Twos over at, in Miami, and she was, you know, she laughed, and she's like, whatever, I'll say it, and I think I have that effect on people, but she's like, look, respectively, Players are a little softer than they were when I was playing in the mid-90s. Like, A, two out of three sets in doubles. B, two out of three sets in singles as well. Add scoring. That said, like, this is just the reality of the time you have to coach in. And I'm curious, you know, what sort of pressures that puts on you as a coach. You talked about it. It feels like you're constantly recruiting even the players on your roster to stay. And, you know, again, shout out to you. Alexa wins a junior Wimbledon. You're like, yeah, but come on. Come to Iowa. Like, if I ever have a girlfriend I need to propose to, I'll come to you two. Because clearly you give a good pitch. Um, you know, what, what sort of pressures does it put on you? And, you know, again, all of that context given – I guess there's a perception that athletes may be a bit more sensitive now than they once were. Yeah, I I think that it's it, it's it is I I've let's see, I mean, I think this is my twenty fifth year coaching. Yeah. So um I think Can't that, tell by the way. Not oh, evident whatsoever. You, so sweet. <laughs> I think that the it's changed. I, and I think a lot of coaches that have been in coaching for this long will tell you that. It it really has. I mean, I think like I can't just pick one either other than this emergence of the transfer portal i mean you you kind of even if you maybe say that like you could be softer now or softer then you just you didn't have as many options like danny's sure. goes you have option b and it changes so mm -hmm. by virtue of that i mean you don't like something then you can kind of just leave and go <laughs> somewhere else and there's somebody very willing to take you and so i think that that you gotta you gotta within all of that i mean one of the things that i feel like I spent a lot of time thinking about and soul searching is just really trying to figure out like I can't can't lose like myself through this sure I, I I have to be able to have some sort of north star that I continue to stand by because if you just kind of blow in the wind and you allow like the situation that we have where maybe people have different opinions or they want to leave or they don't agree or the lineup or you know for mm -hmm. whatever reason people can be frustrated then you have to really know um when you're going to hold your ground and when you're going to be thoughtful and when you're going to change and i don't know what the right formula for that is i will tell you for me part of my formula is having danny by my side and sure. being able to have like multiple in-depth conversations and to have him know like the person I want to be and the coach I want to be and then mm -hmm. have his input and I think that you know when we go recruiting or we talk to our friends in college coaching I can't tell you how many times like it literally turns out to be like a session about us all just trying to like talk about how how challenging the job is mm -hmm. and how 
different situations present really unique, um, challenging decisions that you have to make. And you kind of see the people that survive the best are the ones that really continue to have a foundation of who they are and they continue to coach and they know their meaning and their why. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm kind of getting philosophical on you, but I really <laughs> no, I like it. To that because, um, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's kind of like, there's a lot of problems out there and you kind of got to solve them as a coach and you kind of got to figure out the best way to solve them. And, um, that's something that I think happens to us on a, on a daily basis. And you just kind of hope you do it in the right way that mm-hmm. doesn't let you lose yourself and keeps the team together and is good for the kid in the long run, you're teaching them things and mm-hmm. hopefully they become better tennis players and better people through it. Mm-hmm. And I think you just gave it to me, and I'm sold, by the way, but my question to you is, and I'm doing this for every coach because I do think for a lot of our listeners why we wanted to do this is so many of them haven't heard the voices of so many of you coaches and just haven't had the chance to hear from you. So give me the recruiting pitch. Why should I be a part of the Iowa program moving forward? Well, I think for me, my why has always been that I feel like tennis specifically, you know, because it's this sport that I teach is a mechanism for young women to grow and be better people. And I think you can come to college and you can just be hidden and go to class and no, not be held accountable to if you're growing and if you're becoming a better person. And that doesn't happen in collegiate athletics. And specifically with tennis, you're exposed. You got to work within a group of people. You have to mm-hmm. learn, you know, great character skills. You've got to be tested. You've got to like rise in adversity. You've got to be improve your communication and your ability to relate with different people and so for me I've like never just sprung out of bed in the morning because I'm so excited (laughs) to go work on a forehand grip like it's just not been the thing but but (laughs) I love working with 18 to 22 year olds and using sport as a way for them to grow and become better and I am incredibly competitive and I love that process of you know getting a team together and reaching a goal and achieving things that maybe you didn't think that were possible and that were larger than yourself and then I need like a lot of my answer there Alex if you hear (laughs) it's a lot of like the art of coaching and And so then I need I need a science yeah you know person by my side and that's Danny (laughs) and so then I think you have that aspect here at Iowa with me and then Danny's I think just an an incredible exceptional tennis coach and he's incredible on court with technique and he can break down strategy and unpack tennis in a way that is so incredibly clear um and helpful and he's also like you watched him coach alexa noll well he didn't have audio (laughs) but i saw the the all i needed though was the visual cues and you know again i could imagine how loud the match was i could see it it was pretty that was one of those you didn't need subtitles like it it was checked out but no absolutely i again so calm yeah Yeah, no he is he's so calm and like I, I can definitely be the one that's more emotional and he's steady and science, you know, based. And so I feel like you can come to Iowa and you're going to you're going to be in a great college town um, and you're going to be a, in a system of which that's going to be healthy and you're going to grow as a person in all ways. And you're going to be tested to be the best in as a student and as a teammate. And then you're going to get better on the court and you're going to be able to achieve your tennis goals because we're going to help you get the most out of your tennis game. and. I can definitely say that you come to Iowa, like you leave a better person and a better tennis player. And, you know, we don't have the beach and I don't have the weather, but, um, you know, if those things are at the top of your list, 
then you you might not be the best kid for our program because mm -hmm. I want somebody that wants to come and kind of like really be motivated by the things that motivate myself and Danny. Mm -hmm. No, I love it. Again, I, I told you. I'm would, that, would that work with you, Alex? Did yeah. that resonate? Are you? I, you I think I just committed. Like my, <laughs> my yeah, my mom's gonna be thrilled. She's like, I wanted you to go back to law school so badly, Alex. And I'll be like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I, that's where I'm going. Um, but okay. no, it, it, it's awesome. It. Yeah, and I'm I'm fascinated to hear how you think NIL is gonna factor into recruiting and just college tennis moving forward. Of course, name, image, and likeness for you listeners who are unfamiliar and you know that passes in the spring and obviously you think someone like alexa noel pretty well suited to benefit off of a rule like that and it's the hers of the world perhaps more than anything else particularly while international players aren't allowed to benefit that why wouldn't you go do a year of college at that point if there's any sort of offer available to you how do you think that factors in moving forward i think it's great for programs like iowa who mm -hmm. you know we we are there's no professional sports teams in the state mm -hmm. of iowa so um Alexa is beloved by the Hawkeye community. I mean, she um, is, is we've probably got four or five individual athletes in our mm -hmm. athletic department. Caitlin Clark is an incredible basketball player. Spencer Lee, incredible wrestler. We just had Luca Garza graduate on our basketball team. In our athletic department, Alexa Knoll is in every one of those conversations with those high-level athletes. Mm -hmm. And she's friends with them, and they are really great supporters of each other on social media. Mm -hmm. And that elevates you in a way that our Hawkeye community um, really embrace that. And the one thing that I told Lex is, like, when you come to the University of Iowa and and you have a player that makes a commitment to a school like, heck, we know that we're not on like mm -hmm. the same category as some of these other programs that can have a little bit more glitz and glamor. The Iowa Hawkeye community will love you back forever. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I told her early in our conversations is I know she's gonna play all over the world on the biggest stages. And she already has as a junior and she'll continue to do that. And wherever she is, there will be Hawkeyes in the stands mm -hmm. yelling go Hawks for her. And that really is kind of, I don't know if you can put a price tag on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And to your point, I think it's the college towns, the, you know, again, Des Moines or the Fayettevilles of the world or the Lubbocks of the world where it's like, this is what we have. So yeah, all it takes is one super crazed tennis fan to make it worthwhile for the entire program. I think those sorts of schools and then Ivy League schools is my other pet theory because like the disposable income, it takes one graduate to get that Goldman Sachs job and be like, can we just get your signing bonus? And then your team will always be a national champion. And it's like, yeah, like right now, the Brown job, I mean, someone's in it, but it's never been more appealing is what I'm trying to say. It's just <laughs> Like I would not no yeah. disrespect, sorry yeah. to yeah to Brown tennis, but yeah it's it it's fascinating and you know again with all that said I, I know I've taken up more of your time than I promised, but I want to get funky with you guys down the home stretch here. So I have some ideas to throw at you. Some of them have already alluded to, but what I've learned from this coach Schmidt is you are a competitor through and through, and so I actually think this idea is going to land quite well with you. We talk about wasted opportunities in college tennis. I think one of the big wasted opportunities is the coin toss. We can just be better than that. We're more creative than that. So, And the first five minutes getting the crowd's attention to focus is sometimes a little bit difficult. So in lieu of the coin toss, what we're going to do, one we're in. point. We're in. I know what you're going to say. We're in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one point, head coach versus head coach, winner decides serving arrangements on every court. Come on. You're in, right? We're in. Yeah, I would watch you versus Ronnie. Like, I'm in. One point, drop and hit, chip and charge to the net. Get in there. 
that actually would be that would be really fun yeah, yeah there's there's a lot of or like i would watch chris woodruff play anyone at this point just to see if he still got it and just all of it and there's some coaches being like to be the head coach can i designate danny so i'm not ageist but the rule is if you have an aarp card or over 50 assistant can play that's like that was the compromise. So not it's there yet, but I'm getting close. Yeah, okay. exactly. So the answer is you have to play for now. Yeah, but also okay. accountability. Like, let's say you lose three in a row. You're telling me the team's not going to come and be like, coach. We That's need to talk. so good. Yeah, love yeah. it. And so, all right, we're on board. This is a win. Now we get even funkier. Number two, I'll start with this version of it: lawless lineups. So, home. Fe- I just think home court advantage is particularly important in college tennis. I think it matters more than a football game. You can have 100,000 people screaming. You don't hear anyone. If you have 12 people screaming at you individually, you hear each and every one of them. And so not that parity is an issue anymore in college tennis, but to really promote home teams and home matches and try and get crowd buy-in, lawless lineups. Away team submits beforehand. Home team gets to match up however they want. Ooh. Can I throw a wrinkle at you? Or? Yeah, I've got some new wrinkles too, but please. Okay. How about based on the coin toss, whether you win, you get odds or evens. Okay. And then you alternate who submits a player first. So if we win the coin toss, we go, here's our number one. Other team gets to pick their one. Then they submit their two. We pick our two. I like Hello. that. Or you do two pools where it's like, hey, here's my one, two, three. Here's my four, five, six. Match up in those two groups how you see fit. So it's a little bit closer. Although, again, this gets back to the fall. St- like, do you want players? If we're trying to develop everyone, do we really want to typecast someone as number six? Like, it's like, hey, don't you want a shot? Doesn't everyone want a shot at Alexa Noel at some point in the season? But that's when I was saying, then it makes sense to move the NCAAs to the fall. Mm-hmm. And then, then we can do all these shenanigans because it's only <laughs> about the team in the spring. I agree. No, I, you see, I have an agenda, uh, as <laughs> you can tell. If you, if you can find a team for me that plays one, one through six according to strength, yeah. you let us know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah, we're like, already doing shenanigans. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, well, let's double down on it. Or here's the other thing, and this has been one of my – pet projects is trying to figure out how to capture the momentum at the end of the doubles point because i think the 40 minutes of doubles is the best 40 minutes of tennis viewing period and it's three courts so you can see everything follow everything it's all in front of you the momentum swings every point actually matters and you're just so locked in and things get so intense at the end of that doubles point and then there's a 10 5 10 minute break and you know the wise coaches it's a pizza break that's what they do they feed you and you're happy and then you're back out on courts but even then the first set, like, until it's for all, nothing really matters. Like, let's be honest. We can throw that away. And I'm not s- suggesting shortening the format because I think that's stupid. But I am suggesting three singles players, two doubles teams, everything starts at the same time. So everything's now worth one point. You have five flights of action. Now doubles ends and you're through a first set of singles or you're at the end of the first set of singles and things are just continue to be intense and matches are now two and a half hours, three hours tops. So you're not doing the five-hour slogs anymore. It's radical. Yeah. There are any, you know, any of those AARP card recipient coaches probably tell me no, uh, but I'm curious say, where you are. talking to two tennis traditionists <laughs> yeah. here. I think anything, anything to make the product better, more entertaining, we're on board with. If it's funky, great. If it's new, great. Um, if it's different, sure, let's try it. Why not? Yeah, that, so it's like a simultaneous format. That's the idea, is just to have everything going at once. I like it. I, I really do like it, and I, I'm i a huge – I mean, I again, like sat in the op column, we throw mm-hmm. things out there. I just think 
the future of our sport is going to come by how interesting we make it and how how available it is to be able to be broadcast on television mm-hmm. and um you know i mean like even in that situation you would have people that would see the con because you were picking your doubles or singles player because we had the NCAA tournament in the spring. So really moving, I keep saying this, but like moving it to the fall allows us to create a product and to experiment with a product that is only allowing this to be a team competition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, you could then, like, what if you had substitution? There it is. Time so out. we were full we circle. Yeah, you see me smiling. Yeah. So yeah. former club, te- yeah. subs. as yeah. a former club tennis player, substitutions were part of the equation for me in college. If you don't want to typecast players as doubles, fine. Three singles matches start at the beginning. Two doubles are happening. As soon as those doubles are done, all four of them eligible to hop into the singles matches, wherever the scoreline is at. So I love it. let's play. That makes our life a lot easier because. You know, if we don't like what someone is doing, we don't have to wait for a loss and then you don't have to keep watching <laughs> like, we yeah. can shut them out. You know, that solves, I think, a lot of our issues. So, uh, yeah. The other thing I'll say, like, there's been many times, like, where, like, especially I can remember times we've been at facilities, there's two banks, you know, and somehow, <laughs> like, Danny and I find each other. Like, I go over to his or he's yeah. checking on mine and I, we've said to each other, God, I think we just need to time out. <laughs> So I just think that if you have the ability to have a timeout, it it could be really fun. It can talk about momentum change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And by the way, I also think it should be outlawed, and I will throw my own Varsity Tennis Center under the bus, the only Varsity Tennis Center, a.k.a. Ann Arbor, even though they're named that everywhere. Three and three on different sides should be illegal. Like, if you're going to build an indoor facility from here on in, it should be an ITA man, uh, edict that it has to be six in a row. And I know it's like, well, the plot of land, it's 60 more for 90 more feet. Like, all right, it's not that much more. F- if you're buying enough plot of land to build an indoor facility, you can go horizontal instead of whatever three and three plan you have. So I just think, like I imagine from a coaching perspective, that's the nightmare. For sure it is. And it's crazy how matches are contagious like a yeah, bank on exactly. what's happening on one bank and when you you have like you're cut off from even knowing what's on the other like so many times you know it's either like danny you know is completely sweating it you know and he'll come over there and look like he's just been hit by like a train you know yeah and i'm like what's going on and i'm like i think <laughs> yeah. we're okay over here he's like it's just like nightmare on the other side you know <laughs> yeah. people all just like they're just playing off each other um mm-hmm. and so that's sometimes like that's when sometimes he and i have to switch because you're just like okay i'll relieve you you know just to yeah. be able to have a little <laughs> bit of a different perspective i like that no that's the coaching timeout that yes, works that's, that's where you guys job. are like yeah we can switch so yeah it's no, a little dosey do the timeouts are for the coach's sanity i think that's why we're advocating for him <laughs> i'm in yeah i'm just trying to think so if i'm michael woodson or if i'm how or i guess if i'm pair when do I call a timeout in that Texas Pepperdine match? Mm-hmm. Or if I'm Howard, like, because it could have been fascinating. And you're right, because there were a lot of swings. Well, in this world, yeah, we can sub. In this world, we can do whatever we want, Danny, uh, if you can't you tell. Pair, he would probably switch at some point yeah. in that doubles, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. After an X match point, yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's that, it's fascinating. And so, and by the way, I meant to throw in this anecdote earlier, but every morning, and because I happened to be at the same hotel as you guys for a little bit in at the NCAs, there were three people in the workout. You know, humble brag, three people in the workout room. Myself, because I've learned by the way, that's where you get the best scoops. Is you can just talk to people when they're either very late at night or very early when the filters are turned off. It was me. 
It was Cannon Kingsley, and it was Alexa Noel, and she I was there every morning. You, yes. Yeah, I was gonna say, and by the way, Danny was there too, but I wasn't gonna give him the spotlight. But yeah, it's the workhorse himself. Um, but again, with that in mind, my final question to the both of you: When fans and you know across the nation watch your team compete this year, particularly, and I, you know, again, I don't want to get you guys in trouble, uh, but obviously, it sucks to not have Iowa men's tennis anymore because you know, a Ross is a friend, and I know what he was doing there, and they were top twenty. In 2020, before the pandemic hit, and it was just so clear that things were heading in a direction you would just want on your campus. And, uh, you know, all of that said, with that in the background, you guys are now the representation of Iowa tennis. What do you want the Hawkeye community, college tennis fans, to take away from your team when they watch you compete this year? Well, I, I want to say just on that note, I, I, I really do appreciate you even mentioning that. And I think, like, we, we do feel an additional responsibility. And I want to make mm-hmm obviously a Hawkeye community proud, but I also want to make the extended community of our alums, our men's and our Mm -hmm. women's tennis players from the past feel like they've still got a product and they've got a tennis team that they can get behind and they can support. I mean, I, like you said, I played here. I have so many friends that were on the men's tennis team throughout the years here, um, really close with the former coach, Steve Houghton, who was the coach before Ross. And Mm -hmm. um, so it is, it's, devastating and we feel that way too and so you combine that with the fact that you want to put a really good product out on the court where we feel like we are honestly contending for a big 10 title and we're in the mix at ncaa's and that's been something that you know we had some some stretches and you know the late 1999 through the early 2000s and we got to get back to it and i feel like we're moving towards that and then once you get there then you got to stay there um but i really do feel like people come out and it's entertaining and you watch really good um competitive matches i mean i think Mm -hmm. that danny was saying he had listened to you and you had said that like alexa you know it's like must watch tv you know she is is must watch college tennis she really is she's she's gonna bring a little bit of something and you know we couldn't have spectators last year so nobody Mm -hmm. has been able to come out and watch her play in person um and she sets the tone at that number one spot. And I think that that trickles through the lineup. And I hope that we put a really compelling product that is entertaining and fun. And of course, everybody likes the team that wins. And I think the only mm-hmm. thing that I would add to that is, um, you know, like if you were doing like a Netflix drama series on Iowa tennis, <laughs> okay. the first episode would have started on a flashback to the, to the NCAA selection show. Yeah. Um, and so for our journey this year, you've got to put it in that context. Um, mm-hmm. got just a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. And yeah. I don't think you're really going to understand our team unless you kind of put it in that context. We were mm-hmm. kind of played by restricted rules that we had nothing to do with and couldn't change and kind of felt like we put laid it out there and then didn't really get any sort of relief. And so I'm going to use that in the best way possible to motivate this team and see if we can use that to get out there and kind of, you know, like I said, play with that chip on the shoulder and some of these pressure situations that might let us be a little bit more brave than mm-hmm. um, playing a little tentative or scared. So that's what I'm hoping you can see in Iowa tennis next year, Alex. No, I love it. And I will have the same question to you, Danny, with the added caveat of A, it's not just a team, by the way, an Alexa ankle injury away. Who knows what that NCAA tournament looks like? She hadn't lost yet all season. So that's another chip on the shoulder. But yep. B, if I'm going to make a trip to the Hawkeye Tennis and Recreation Center this year, can we at least rename it to the Schmid Tennis Center? Like, I feel like we can get more creative, right, Danny? 
we can definitely get more creative. Um, <laughs> I, I will say it, and I think Ross did an unbelievable job with this, and I think you know this as a Michigan fan, <laughs> it is a tricky place to play. And yeah. <laughs> I think what they did an unbelievable job with was they, you know, they had a brand as a team. You came in here, you knew exactly what you were in for, yelling, screaming, fighting, clawing, <laughs> and you were getting their best shot. And so, I mean, I, they just beat top 20 teams at home, you know, and I think part of that is an identity and, you know, something you want to instill as a coach. And then if you ask us what it's meant that the men's team isn't there, like, I think whether it's men or women, that's how teams should feel when they come in here, right? And so <laughs> I'm going to ask the girls to be feisty and make this, you know, I have no problems with a match being loud and being like a little <laughs> bit on the edge, right? You, I'm good with that. And so because I think it makes the other teams uncomfortable and do we have ways to go in that regard? Sure. But I think if you, you know, listen to everything we've said from, hey, chip on our shoulder, slighted last year didn't you know get what we thought we deserved and so i think all of that goes together right and so mm -hmm. um if you do make the trip i can't promise we'll rename the facility but i think you're <laughs> i think you're you're gonna see some good fiery tennis and um and if you do make the trip come the first weekend in may because we're hosting the big 10 championships alex i know that was the look that's what we yeah. call a tease in my business uh, yeah but yeah. no i'm in and Good. do i love the windy you. conditions yeah. for my wolverines no i'm not i'm not thrilled about it um but no it, it, again i it's it's robbery that we don't get both iowa programs particularly where things were headed uh heading into 2021 and then we have a pandemic and it, you know again it's just it's so great to see yeah you know a lot of people say we have a chip on our shoulder and we want us to come out hungry and feisty but you guys do have a chip on your shoulder and you guys do have the ability to come out hungry and feisty and so i do i think the hawkeyes are gonna be very very fun to watch this season to, to so to both of you thank you so much for a tolerating my nonsense b agreeing with some of it like and again i want like to it. yeah danny yeah. knows i'm looking for a zag always and i got again a lot it's easy to say no that's too much that's too extreme i appreciate you guys embracing it thinking that way obviously i think that's a good way for all college tennis people to be thinking and again wishing you all health success uh throughout the course of the 2022 season alex thank you and thank you for all that you're doing to raise awareness on college tennis and put this on a broader platform it it has been a gift and we are all very grateful for your efforts it's definitely um helping and moving time moving college tennis forward no oh, i appreciate that if you ever need a volunteer i tell this to all coaches i'm here okay, like, well, okay we had that conversation you, yes. six hours yeah. ago so. no you might have just said the, the right time i mean <laughs> we may be sending you an email right after this so, all right yeah. it's just, well, uh, you can then make your pitch at the facility and we do have a podcast room right next door so i yeah. think we could set you up that's our all pitch. i need I need a table and a green screen, and I can bring the green screen. That. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm mobile, but again, to both of you, be safe, be healthy, and thank you so much for taking the time Thanks, to share. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, of course, take care. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.